0: Turn to Matthew chapter 21 as you uh, pull out your Bibles. If you do not have your Bible, there are some in front of you. They are in the King James English. And that will teach you a lesson to not, you know, forget your Bible again. That's a joke. When I make jokes, please laugh. You just embarrass yourself when you don't laugh. Alright, so chapter 21, Matthew. Palm Sunday marks the beginning of Holy Week. This this week of Jesus' life here on earth prior to the cross is packed each and every day. So much so that the writer of the Gospel of John, John himself, devoted most of that gospel just to this final week of Jesus' life. And it all kicks off with the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Now, if I could just set the stage a little bit here. Anybody here ever been to uh, any local huge event like the State Fair? State Fair. State Fair probably rivals, um, the Passover celebration or or not rivals, but helps us to best understand the Passover celebration in Jerusalem at the time where Jesus is entering Jerusalem. The, the, the town is packed. People have made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover meal, to celebrate the Passover holiday. They're going to come in groups and in droves. They're bringing livestock with them. They're going to, to sacrifice a lamb. If they haven't done that, they're going to go to their local merchants within the temple and buy a sacrifice. Subsequently, in this week, Jesus is going to go cleanse the temple because the people there at the temple are price gouging, knowing that people will travel, you know, hundreds of miles by foot or by animal. They'll say, Hey, just buy, buy your lamb. From, from you know, lambs are us at the temple, but we're not going to sell you the best lamb like you're supposed to sacrifice. We're going to give you a sickly blind lamb, and we're going to charge you twice as much, and you really have no other option. Price gouging. And Jesus got pretty mad at that, and he went and cleansed the temple as a good and holy God would. Amen? But verse tw- uh, verse 1, chapter 21 starts like this. humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt the foal of a beast of burden the verse 6 says the disciples went and did as jesus had directed them they brought the donkey and the colt uh, and put on them their cloaks and he sat on them most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road and the crowds went before him and that followed him were shouting hosanna to the son of david blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest and when he entered jerusalem the whole city was stirred up saying who is this and the crowd said this is the prophet jesus the Naz- uh, uh, from nazareth of galilee now put yourself in that that moment imagine yourself at a place like the state fair surrounded with people and here comes this lowly carpenter rabbi that you've heard about you haven't met him you have no there's no media that you just heard rumors he healed this guy he he delivered this person cast out demons brought back lazarus from the dead he teaches with authority you just keep hearing these rumors about this man who is he And you're at this huge event, you're in Jerusalem, and the crowds are going nuts, and you're looking, and they're laying down palm branches, and they're putting down their coats. And here comes this man on a donkey. Not on a stallion, not on a steed, not on some white horse that's majestic. On a donkey. A beast of burden, a a baby donkey, not even a grown-up one, like a foal, a colt, a small donkey. And here he comes riding in, no no big saddle, no big comfort. There's just cloaks laid on top of that as a makeshift saddle. And here comes Jesus. And there you are, and you see him for the first time. Imagine that for just a moment. Imagine what you might be feeling emotionally. Would you be let down? I I imagined a guy who was seven feet tall with arms like trees and, and just burly and strong and able to just take out any guy. I picture some beautiful man with majestic flowing Bon Jovi hair and and I just uh, that's what I expected but now I see this I see a man coming in who blends in with this donkey. They, they match and here he comes and, and, and I've been hearing all week that God is going to deliver us from Rome. That God is going to deliver us from the Caesar, that we are gonna be like we once were. We're gonna be our own nation. We're not gonna be slaves anymore. We're not gonna have their government intruding upon our lives. This this great leader is gonna come and deliver us. That's that's why everybody's shouting, Hosanna, deliver us, deliver us. And you see a man and you think, This this man, what what will he deliver us from? He doesn't look like the kings I've seen. He doesn't look like the leaders I've seen. He doesn't look the part. He's not got a big entourage. There's not a big parade. There's a bunch of disciples and a donkey. Put yourself there for a minute. Now, I'm not here to... I hope I'm not offending anybody with the way I'm talking about Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. But in that moment many of that many of those people in that moment were expecting something different. They were not expecting their king to come in on the foal of a donkey. They were expecting a king who looked the part, who stood tall who who was a general and decked out and just ferocious in that way but here's here's what they missed. they missed their king everybody as they saw jesus come in what was the question who is this who who is this guy i've heard the stories but who's this guy who is he let me ask you today and here's the question this is the only question that matters who is jesus There is only one question that will matter. And despite how you feel, despite what you have heard, despite what you have been taught, there is only one question that will matter to you for all of eternity. Who is Jesus? Who is he? Is he a prophet, like the crowd said? Jesus is is the prophet of prophets. He was foretold by Moses that a prophet would come like me, Moses said. And you must listen to him. In that capacity, yes. But he's not only a prophet. Is he a good Is he a good teacher? He's the best of teachers. What other teacher says, treat others as you want to be treated? What other teacher says, love your enemies? It's easy to love those who love you, but love those who hate you. What other teacher goes to the helpless and welcomes in children? What other leader loves those who are unlovable? This big movement pushing the church that you know we should love the unlovable, and that's we should, but we we tend to kind of separate ourselves as now all of a sudden we're the lovable. Like, no, we're all unlovable. We all need Christ, we all need to love each other because we're all unlovable, and God has loved us, anyways. Who is Jesus? You could argue the histori- historicity of Jesus, meaning. He never existed. You could take that route. You would take the foolish route. There's no doubt that Jesus existed. If that's your route, then you're taking the, the simple foolish route. Um, multi, uh, multiple faiths, I should say, recognize that Jesus existed. History recognizes that Jesus existed. So, so you must answer this question. To simply say he did not exist is not a valid argument who is Jesus here's what the Bible tells us about Jesus and I've already said this he is God he is the king of kings he is the Lord of lords what that means is is there are multiple kings on our earth and there have been for many many millennia however they all fall short of the one true king there have been many lords but they all fall short of the one true Lord That there is none higher than Christ. There is none higher than Jesus. He is God made flesh. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh. That is, that is Jesus, the very Word, the epitome of God's Word, became flesh, incarnate. What we're told in the Bible is that God created us. He created Adam and Eve. They sin. We know that story. They sin. They get cast out of the Garden of Eden. And from that point, mankind is tainted, corrupted, and in need of a Savior. And that generations later, thousands of years later, you and I, we stand... Not as perfect, but imperfect. Not sinless, as sinner. Not not approved by God, but disapproved by God. Through God's just wrath, we have earned His condemnation. We, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3 and 23 says. All of us. Some people hear that verse and think, No. That's all they think. I hear that verse and say, yep, I know me, and I have sinned. I I can't whitewash it. I can't sugarcoat it. I can't pretend it. I sin. And I look upon the world, and in the great day that we live in, where we can see everybody's lives on things like Facebook and Twitter, because it's just all out there, we know they sin too. We can look at Romans 3 and 23 and say, yeah, yep we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of god jesus comes to this earth holy pure perfect to die for those who are everything but that's you and i see i don't i don't care what your sin is okay you want to confess it you need help with it yeah i care about that but but today we don't all have to come up here and parade and say, hi, I'm Pastor Tony and I have a problem with blank. Or, hi, I'm this person and I have a problem with this. And we all say, hi, that person. Like, that's not the point. You can and you should confess your sin, but we're not going to make a parade of it. Okay? What matters is that you see Jesus and you don't see a contemporary or, or a person who you are like, meaning he needs you more than you need him see Jesus being holy perfect and pure should remind us that we are not and I don't I don't preach that to you today to make you feel guilty although I mean you shouldn't be happy about your sin can we all agree on that like if we sin against somebody we shouldn't walk away saying yay (laughs) but guilting you into the kingdom of God is not really a, a recipe for success it's usually a recipe for burning people out but i want us to feel the 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 weight of the cross today i want you to feel the weight of that first palm sunday i want you to be prepared for our good friday service which is coming up this friday at 7 i want you to be prepared for resurrection sunday you can't celebrate easter without palm sunday and, and good friday without without this transitionary period where jesus goes from being uh, in the eyes of the people, the savior of their of their um, government and, and their and their nation to the savior of the world, to to a condemned sinner, to somebody who is going to die on a cross, a horrible death. See, when you realize, at least in part, what Jesus has done for you, you begin to understand the love that He has for you. you're You're a child in need of saving a, an orphan spiritually, and, and God decides yes, I choose you. I want you, I love you, you have sinned. Let me die for those let me pay for those sins. let me let me stand in your place, the wrath of God that should be poured out upon you, let me stand and take it for you. Have faith in me, be made whole, be forgiven, become a child of God. You see, if you don't understand your position as a sinner, it's hard to embrace your position as a saint. If you don't understand being orphaned spiritually, then you won't understand what it means to be a child of God. If I just told you you're a child of God, there will be no change in your life. But if you'll see where you were and where God brings you, then we'll see change. Then we'll begin this process of sanctification. Then we'll begin this process where you are, you are changed continuously. Where, where the things of your old life, because the old life is dead, will now become a stench in your nose. You, you'll, you'll go to your old ways and happen to say, I shouldn't be doing this. This is This is not what God wants for me. This is not what Jesus died for. Jesus didn't die so that I can continue sinning like this. Who is Jesus? Matthew chapter sixteen. Jesus is walking with his disciples, and and you know it's it's really it's a great thing to be to be a follower of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus. Is um, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Being in relationship with Jesus transcends any relationship you might have. When people leave you, when people abandon you, or even when they just leave because they've got to go home or, or they've got jobs to do, you still have Jesus. And here's, here's a picture of this Jesus walking with his disciples. Just imagine him walking down the road, and all of a sudden he decides, I'm going to ask them a question. And he asked, well, I'll just read it. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, this is verse 13, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So these guys have all heard what the Bible says. They've all heard what the Old Testament said. They all have an idea, the people that, that have been talking about Jesus. But see, Jesus doesn't care so much about what people think about him. The people on the outside, the people on the fringe, the people who who have made their choice. He cares about those that he loves. He cares about those that are his disciples, those who are following him. He says, who do you say that I am? Verse 15, but he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The question, who is Jesus, is not a trivia question. It's not something you see on Jeopardy. It's not not just, do you have the right answer? Peter along with the other disciples along with the countless Christians that have existed since then they answer this question with their life they answer this question with their faith they answer their this question with their devotion giving themselves to Jesus how Satan knows this Satan knows that God, that Jesus is God and he's he's the son of God and that he's the Christ I'm, that doesn't make him a Christian. The demons know this. This doesn't make them followers of Christ. When Jesus goes and casts out demons in the synagogues, Son of David, what have you with us? Son of man, who, what are you doing? They know who he is. Having a knowledge of who Jesus is is not the answer. Giving yourself mind, body, soul, and spirit to him, that's faith and devotion. That is what Christ is calling for you to give and to sacrifice today today metaphorically I want you to see your heart as Jerusalem as Jesus is entering into Jerusalem today Jesus approaches you to enter into your heart to enter into the Jerusalem of who you are he doesn't come demanding he doesn't come to hit you over the head to 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 be a a, a, a just a slave master. He comes in non-threatening. He comes in lowly. He comes in peace. He comes in, 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 in love. And see, these people, these same people who stood up and were shouting, Yes! Yes! Jesus! Hosanna! By the end of the week, they're shouting, Crucify Him! We are a fickle people. Don't ever lose sight of the people that are mentioned here. That's us. That's, that's not them a long time ago. This is us. In one breath, we're praising God. In the next breath, we're just, who knows what we're doing or saying. That's the reality of being a human. This is what we need deliverance from. This is the battle that we are fighting. In Matthew chapter 1, it's the birth story of Jesus. In verse 23, I believe it says that he will be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. I need us to take this home today. Jesus is not just a God, Jesus is not just a good teacher or a prophet. He is God with us. We just concluded our 12-part our series about the Holy Spirit, about God being with us continuously. And Jesus is, is the epitome of that. Jesus is God with us. We aren't alone. We aren't abandoned. We aren't useless. We aren't forgotten. We are children of God. The world could leave us. The world can forsake us, but God never will. The Word became flash John 114 says he tells his disciples he tells Thomas I am the way the truth and the life nobody comes into the father except through me church who is Jesus this is the question you've got to answer you don't you don't have to go to seminary you don't have to study for years you simply've got to know this question who is Jesus When we get to heaven, God won't ask you how many letters you have after your name, how many years you went to school. Who is Jesus? I forget where it is, but there's a part where Jesus is teaching and there are people who stand before him in in eternity. It's a it's a it's a parable, but a, a truth parable. It's not just exemplary or an example people crying out to God I cast out demons in your name I did this and I did that and Jesus says get away from me workers workers of iniquity I never knew you doing stuff without faith is not the same you gotta know you gotta know who Jesus is today and here's the most frustrating part about being a preacher or a pastor or a teacher or any position in the church I can't make you do that it's frustrating it's like, I just, I just want you to, to see. I want you to have your eyes open. I want you to understand. I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be a follower of Christ. I want you to throw all your eggs into his basket. I just want you to follow him to the ends of the earth. I want you to just, yeah, whatever you bring, Jesus. I am not going anywhere. I am i am your child i'm part of your church you died for me i and you were connected forever i won't run even when it hurts i I will stand here in you as long as you can sustain me here and spoiler alert he can sustain you forever And and i want so badly So badly for you to get to that place where it's just, it's me and Jesus and who cares about the rest. Because Jesus loves me and he will see everything through. Everything that is working will be for my good and his glory. Even when I don't understand it. I can't make you do that. And that's by design. Jesus doesn't need a bunch of little gods running around. He is God. He just needs guys and gals who will just preach the gospel. We just tell them that they're greatly loved, that Jesus is God who died for them. When we evangelize, and we talked about this on Wednesday, the gospel message is like a Tonka truck. Sometimes sometimes we we hold it too delicately. Oh, I've got this message, and if I don't get it right, uh, somebody's not going to get saved, or no, oh, I might have to answer for this. No, the gospel message is like, it's just like a Tonka truck. You can drop that thing and kick that thing and do it wrong, and somehow God still makes good out of it. We don't have to be so afraid with this gift that we've given. Yes, it's precious. Yes, it's beautiful. Yes, it's awesome. Yes, it carries weight. But it's lasted for thousands of years. It's endured some of the most controversial things ever, and yet still the message remains that God died for us, that he loved us so much that rather than punish us for our sins he forgave us of our sins that we we must now exercise faith put our faith in him and be in Christ so how do we respond what's the right answer to this question how how do if Jesus stood before us and he asked us who am i what could we say I'll help you First is surrender. We we can't go into the kingdom of God with our arms crossed like this. We can't go in holding on to everything that we have. We can't can't go in unwilling to give ourselves and be vulnerable before God. We, We simply cannot. We have to go in with arms out, arms up, white flag just going back and forth. Jesus, I give up. Jesus you win. Jesus I I am a sinner. Please Lord forgive me. See that is countercultural. Our culture says no. You do not. You stand, you fight, you're obstinate, you're stubborn. Don't do that. And I would agree that outside of Jesus, yeah. You should fight hard against Satan. You should fight hard against sin. You should fight hard against worldly mindsets that seek to to infiltrate what God has called you to do. Yeah, fight against that. Be stubborn. Be obstinate against that. But not with Jesus. The most manly thing you could do today, men, is give your life to Christ. There's nothing more masculine. There's nothing more whatever then giving your life to jesus all this other business doesn't matter you know you can chop down a tree and fix a car who cares what do you say about jesus how are you how are you shepherding your children at home men that's not my job i don't i don't spend a hundred and sixty some odd hours at your home every week it's your job to shepherd your children it's my job to shepherd you but i get you for an hour maybe two every week so what are you doing in, the, in between time, between Sunday and, and Wednesday, or between Sunday and Sunday, what are you doing to become a better shepherd in your life? I can help. I can do whatever I can to help you, but it's up to you and Jesus. You see, this is why Jesus becomes so important. That's, I've only talked about kids. That's a big responsibility. You are raising up little people who will become big people one day. And they will go out into the world and they'll have a view of Jesus based on how you taught them. Not their Sunday school teachers. Not their pastor. What dad taught them. What dad showed them. How dad repented in front of them. How dad cried with them when they cried. How dad did the right thing and followed Jesus even when it cost him everything. I can't show them that. You can. When, they, when you see Jesus coming in, riding on a donkey, they need to see you respond in faith. To even have a fighting chance when they get old enough to make this, chance, this choice on their own. I, I can't. I don't care if your kids are 30 or 3. They still need to see this. Dads, they need to see you surrender. Surrender. They need to see a, a very tough dad get down on his knees before an even tougher God. They need to see you surrender. Ladies, you're not off the hook. you got to do the same thing. Ladies, your husbands need, need women who will support them in this. Help them and show them. One of the, the imageries we're given in the Bible is that of the church being the bride. men, How many people look at brides and say, yep, that's me? We don't do that, right? Well, We shouldn't do that. That imagery, it's hard to connect to, right? So where are we ever going to find the example of that? Who on this earth could teach us what it means to be a bride? Maybe our wives? We've seen her, right? We've understood what it meant to take her as our bride, right? Ladies, understand for a moment, you wives especially, the example that you can set for your husband of what it means to be a bride who loves and supports and gives and cherishes. You are going to be their immediate example. Moms, same thing. surrender repent step number two is repent That means turn away I was going this way now I'm going that way I repent it's going towards sin do you turn came back repented by the very grace of God you have the ability to do that today yes the temptation to sin is there but the the allowance to repent from it is there as well the same avenue that goes one way splits and goes the other way but here's the thing about the other way you've got god's power to keep you this way you don't have god's power to take you into sin so so it's even easier to go this way but it calls for us to repent to crucify our flesh to die to ourselves worship worship is hard i'm just going to be i'm just going to call it what it is I'm not one of these guys that just, you know, waves flags and does all kinds of weird external things. Like, I'm not that kind of a person. I actually like leading worship. You know why? Because my hands are occupied. And I can just kind of close my eyes and kind of hide in the safety of that. And you'd say, Tony, you're up in front of everybody. Yeah, but when my eyes are closed, I don't know that. When, when I have to step down and people like Pastor Mike or Pastor Ben lead worship, now I'm like, what do I do? What, what do I do with my hands? I don't I don't know what I am to do now. I, should I sing louder? Oh, I'm too loud. I can only hear myself. Now what I'm so th- caught up in my own head. Worship is really hard. Have you ever been worshiping and thought, oh Jesus, you're the best? Did I pay the cell phone bill? That's me. Sometimes when I'm here. Like, I'm singing, you know, how he loves us. Did I pay the cell phone bill? Did I pay a car payment? What do I have to do this afternoon? Worship is hard. However, the difficulty of something does not exempt us from actually doing it. For me, that means I have to go through this process and learn how to worship all over again. And it's hard. And if I rely on Sunday morning only, how fast am I going to grow? Not very. That means I have to worship the Lord throughout the whole week when I'm not at church. Well, Pastor Tony, it's easy for you. You're a pastor. No, it's harder. Because people want you to teach them how to do that. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, that's not really a valid answer when you're a pastor. I don't know. Like, you got to have an answer to something. How do you worship? Well, I don't know. Raise your hands, I guess. But here's what worship is. Jesus, you're God and I'm not. It's very simplest. If I can just show you in this brief moment what I feel about you right now, that's what I want to know, that's what I want to do. And Jesus, if I can't convey that with words or hands or or being on my knees or whatever, Lord, somehow make that possible. Enable me to worship you. Let me give you a really good practical example of this, a, 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 a parable, if you will, but a true story parable. When I was uh, – I think I was about 11 and my cousin was about 9. Uh, it was Mother's Day was coming up, and we had no gifts for our moms. And We loved our moms and we wanted to get them a gift. We had no money. What do we do? We went and asked mom for money. So mom gave us like five bucks, and we went and bought – um. Shiny lead nickel uh, earrings from the drugstore that was right down the road and then we gave them back to them Now they loved it. They loved it. They loved being appreciated They loved the the awful earrings because it was they were five bucks, but you got like 40 of them That's how you know. They were really good quality um And we gave those to them now. What did they gain? some crummy earrings no the love of their children. And they were willing even to give to those children to be able to give back to them. And God works in much the same way. that Even as as we don't know how to worship, God gives us, through His Holy Spirit, the power to worship Him back. What has He gained? Nothing but your love. The same Spirit that He sent into you is coming back. I mean, He gains nothing like that, but He gains you. And to me, that's, that's what I'm working on in worship. But even tougher than that for me, this is the last one, is not to love God. I mean, there are days where, where, where the love of God and loving Him is a distant thought. Not that it should be, but you know, you're doing a job, you're doing work, and it gets pushed to the back burner of your brain. Loving God, that's easy. It's being loved by God. Just just allowing him to love me. Just accepting that he wants to love me. He, he wants to embrace me. I fight that. Maybe you're not like me, and maybe maybe you are, but for those of you who are, and you struggle with God, the concept of God loving you, that when you hear that, when you feel that, you you start to feel very vulnerable and open, like, oh, God's looking too much at me. I, I know that I have this and that and this. I should not be loved for these reasons. It is very difficult to simply allow the Lord to love us sometimes. However, I would pray as the, the father does for his child in Mark chapter 9, that the disbelief we have would be replaced by belief, that the Lord would help our unbelief. Let's be real brave. Who has problems with unbelief? Okay. rest of you, rest of you are liars. Good. Thank you. We all do. And, and to pretend it's not there, it's kind of like having a splinter in your hand or in your foot that's slowly becoming infected. No, it's not really that bad. And eventually, left without attention, you're going to lose a hand or foot. If unbelief is there and you're, you're just hiding from it, eventually it will overtake you. You need, to, you need to just call that out. Lord, this is where I don't believe you. This is what I have a hard time with. What Help my unbelief. I believe a little, but I need more, Lord. Truth be told, he's taking us to places we've never been. So we're going to need some increasing of our belief. Amen? If you have a hard time believing that the Lord loves you today, I would pray that the Lord would increase your belief. So that you can surrender and to say, Lord, see how it's all circular? Comes back to surrender? Okay, Lord. You love me. You you rode into a place where everybody celebrated you, and by the end of the week you were killed. For me. Notice how Jesus' message never wavers. He never stands up, waving his arms. Yes, everyone clap happy for for me. Just rides in. It says he doesn't even stay in Jerusalem that long. He, He leaves that night and goes to bed. Not really impressed. Comes back the next day. What's he do? Cleanses the temple. Jesus' message remains no matter what anybody's saying. So who is Jesus today? Let's all stand this is your opportunity to respond. I want to pray with you. Corporately and individually. I love you guys. Like, when I get to tell people about South Bay, it's an exciting thing for me. I love, I love telling people about this church and how wonderful you guys are and how friendly you are and how, how loving and how ser- serving you are. How you go above and beyond helping people. How you, how you love people you've never met before. I love South Bay Chapel. And I want you... I, I want to echo the words of Paul. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Church, I want you to keep your eyes on Christ. So that we might be all be going in the same direction. And for those of us who maybe are a little stronger, that we can look around and say, who needs help? Who can I, who can I help right now? And then when we're when we're weak... Someone else looks to us and says, hey, how can I help you right now? How can I come alongside you? How can how can the Holy Spirit through me comfort you today? I want that for you today. I want to pray that for you today. Jesus, we love you. As we celebrate Palm Sunday, we're just reminded of the weight and the gravity of your love. I pray today that for those who have come in, and maybe this is the first time, or maybe this is the the umpteenth time that we've come in and heard this message, Lord, I pray that it would be fresh today, that you, that you would penetrate the walls that we have built up, that we would indeed surrender and wave our flags and, and raise our hands and give our lives to you, that we would quit holding back the, the, the things that we know are just enslaving us anyways, that today we would become followers of Jesus, we would become followers of the way, the truth, and the life. That we would lay down on the altar And and just Become a living sacrifice to you Jesus I'm, I'm thankful that this is This is the response To what you have already done That you have already died On a cross for our sins So that we might live for you each and every day Jesus I pray that for your people I pray that Lord I ask that you would bring Healing to your people Lord I'm not a holy man I'm not a a shaman i'm not i don't have a special place where i go and you hear me louder lord i just pray that collectively together on this palm sunday we would cry out to you hosanna deliver us lord and not turn the very next day that today that the that the song of, of the name of jesus would be on our lips every day we praise you today lord let's just take a minute we're gonna worship for a little bit longer because we need to respond you know the message of Jesus Christ demands a response you know when Jesus asked who am I to the disciples they didn't just remain quiet they all said something they kept following him so Mike as you play now here's the here's the key to all this okay without guilt or condemnation everybody who, who needs to go may go okay this is we're not going to shut the doors on you you're not forced to stay here but we're going to allow you a moment to just worship the Lord in light of everything that was said today in light of what we are celebrating today that maybe for the first time that you would surrender and just lift your hands and and say God just take me so go ahead and lead some worship hope is built on nothing less and conquered the grave Jesus conquered the grave oh we praise you Lord Jesus you are good I thank you Lord that you are working that you are molding that you are reshaping your people In all things, Lord, be glorified, high and lifted up, that all men may be drawn unto him, be drawn unto you. We give you the praise, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day.